Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, we've been asking this question as we've been walking through this, is how can we best be faithful in our calling in a world where it will never be normal to be a Christian? Uh, This worldview, this way of looking at life, and we've kind of been taking apart a biblical worldview versus a secular worldview. We've been saying that the secular worldview is based on feelings, are the ultimate guide, happiness is the ultimate goal, judgment, judging is the ultimate sin, and God is the ultimate guest. Biblical worldview, the Bible is the ultimate guide, holiness is the ultimate goal, mankind is the ultimate sinner, and God is the ultimate focus. Um, and we stated at the beginning of this that some of you are in that danger zone. You're in that danger zone, you don't even know it because the danger zone is this, is where you kind of beg and borrow and kind of do a smorgasbord when it comes to worldviews. So you, you like this parts of the Bible, but you don't like these parts, so you take these parts of the secular and you mix that together. And Revelation says that kind of mixture makes God sick. Um, we need, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, to get back to a biblical worldview. That's why we've talked about the whole concept, does God exist? We talked about, can Jesus be trusted? Uh, three weeks ago, it was about the Bible. Is the Bible a book about God or is it a book written by God? How you answer that will determine a lot of how your worldview will be determined. Well, today we're going to hit that third point in the secular worldview, and that is this, judging is the ultimate sin. If anything is classified as sin today, it is the aspect of judging. Uh, Because we have no moral absolutes, you go ahead and live the way you want, whatever makes you happy, do that. And we should tolerate, and not only just tolerate, celebrate whatever choices people make. And when you question the path, of those who, you know, by nature of their decision, happiness is off, is off limits. That's judgmental, and it's equated to hate. That if you don't not only tolerate, but celebrate choices that people have made. Um, and our day, we hate absolutes. Uh, we don't like strictness when it comes to it. Don't put your theology on me. Don't put your religion on me. And what has happened to many professing Christians is that they kind of shut up because they don't want to be claimed as being judgmental. If you open your mouth of what the Bible says, you're judgmental, which means you have hate. And now we have seen many churches in America, at least, slide to that, that we want to be all inclusive and all loving and unity is more important than theology. And so we stay away from being tagged as judgmental, which is ironic because Christians are ironically judged as being judgmental. You know, when somebody says, you're judging me, I just look at them, well, you're judging me. So you're judgmental in judging me because that's what they're doing. I mean, (laughs) they're calling you, you're judging when they're judging themselves. We live in a society where we want to live the way we want, that it's okay in our eyes, then it's okay. What is considered normal today is a question. 
There's a passage at the end of Judges, Old Testament Hebrew passage, the last verse of the book of Judges. And it says this. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as he saw fit. This is a chilling statement on the nation of Israel. They had no king, which included God, by the way. And everyone saw fit to do what was right in their eyes. That's where context is important because if you go back a couple chapters to chapter 19, that last verse in verse 21 is kind of to cap what has taken place. In chapter 19, you have a Levite, so you got the 12 tribes of Israel, and you have a Levite whose concubine was raped and murdered. By, by someone from the tribe of Benjamin. So you got the tribe of Levites and the tribe of Benjamin. The Levite was so angered, he took his concubine, cut her up into 12 pieces, sent a piece to every tribe of Israel to try to stir them up to war against this village, in, this Benjamin village. And so the nation turns, because the village people weren't going to do anything, and Israel turned on this one village, village, and they killed every male, they killed every woman who was not a virgin, and only left the virgins because they thought, well, we don't want to wipe out all the tribe of Benjamin, so we're going to just take the virgins and we're going to give them to other people. And in the giving of other people, they ran out of virgins, so they went to other towns to grab virgins so that they could even out the score here. Now, and then they all returned back to their home and everything was fine. And that's where this verse comes into. In those days of Israel had no king, everyone did as he saw fit. What is normal in society at a a given time is not necessarily right or morally right. Normal never implies what is right. But we live in a culture that we need to just do whatever is right in our own eyes. When all of a sudden God is taken out, when all of a sudden it's by, and people will read that and go, look God, look how God allows this to happen. No, this is what happens when you take God out of the picture. This is when you have, God is no, there's no king. Remember the people, oh, we want a king. We want to be like everyone else. You have a king, it's God, but you choose not to do that. And when you choose not to have God as your king, then you will do whatever you see fit in your eyes, and chaos takes place. That's what this, I mean, that's what I love about the Bible. It shows all the warts. It shows, guys, you want to live on your own? You want to do what's right in your eyes and run your own? This is what happens. This is what happens in culture, and this is, I believe, what's taken today. And so, when all of a sudden, when we speak up, when we take a stance, when we say, hey, this is not right, this, is, this, is, this shouldn't be happening, judging is the ultimate sin in our society. And they take that from the verse, Matthew 7, 1, most of us can quote this passage, do not judge or you too will be judged. Is it me? Okay. Do not judge or you too will be judged. I mean, this is the most widely misused passage there is out there. And it's usually used to take down the critics. And what I love about it, it's usually said with attitude. 
Do not judge, lest you be judged. And they usually do the King James Version, too, which is kind of funny. They'll go right to the King James Version, which is ironic because they really don't believe the Bible is the Word of God, but they believe this one. Don't judge, lest thou be judged. And so how many of you have ever been judged? Raise your hand. Anyone been judged in the room? Yeah. We, ironically, I've never been judged. <laughs> ever. I mean, some of you said, you've already judged me. Why is he wearing that hat? <laughs> How many cows died for that vest? <laughs> it's buffalo, by the way. A big buffalo died for this vest. I mean, <laughs> I am judged by what I drive, where I live, what I, I mean, it's, I'm judged all the time. And I'm, I'm used to that. I remember 23 years ago, I guess now, my mom passed away, and one of the things I did is I bought a Harley. Some of you were there when I rode the Harley into the church. And some of you may remember, there was a couple, now you probably wouldn't remember this. They came to me and said, we're leaving the church. Why? Because we don't want to be a part of a church where the church buys the pastor a Harley. And I looked at him and said, I'm still waiting for that check. Um, and I said, hey, tell you what. I'll give you the Harley if you bring my parents back. And if you know me, that's when, hey, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you, man, because um, I, I don't, Tim don't play that game, right? Uh, we get judged on everything, and no one likes to be judged. No one. I don't like being judged. You don't like being judged. So how do we do this thing when, I mean, I read the Bible, it says, do not judge lest you be judged. But honestly, I, when people use that, I don't think they believe that. I mean, they, they don't believe that all the way. Really? Are you going to teach your kids, okay, judging is wrong, so you tell the teacher, what right do you have to give me an A or a B? Who placed you as judge? We would never have a jury. Try that next time if you're pulled over by a police officer. Who made your judge? I can go any speed I want to. Who gave you the right to decide that? I don't think it'll go good in your favor, all right? Because they'll find everything wrong with that vehicle all of it at the same time. So is there ever time to judge? I mean, is it wrong for me to judge someone's, the way they dress or their hairstyle? I mean, guys, we make judgments every day. All of you made judgments today of what clothes you're going to put on, which we all thank you that you chose to judge and put clothes on. You didn't have to, but you did. We make judgments all the time. Now, I, I don't have the right to judge someone's haircut. I mean, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my call to go a haircut like that. But if my kid wants to carve a bad name in his hair, you think I'm going to be judging? Oh, yeah. All right, my daughter will tell you she wanted a lower back tattoo, all right? And I told her, all right, here's the deal. She thanks me constantly that I did not allow that to happen. But dad, it could be a good witnessing tool. Uh, no, all right, not gonna happen, all right? And again, we make judgments all the time. But how do we do it? If I'm in the gym and I see someone that I know's married, I don't know the person, but I see him flirting with somebody else, do I have the right to go up to him? You're married, stop that. But what if it's one of my friends in my small group that's part of the church who's flirting and he's married? Do I have the right to say, hey, don't do that. You're married. Isn't that kind of judging? 
I mean, we live in a culture that says, hey, sex is great whenever you want. Um, but I want to have it with a 12-year-old. What's your opinion going to be? Are you going to judge that? Are you going to judge it if it's your 12-year-old? <laughs> a little f- a farmer out in Herald, we're sitting out there in Herald Day. I probably said this before, but I wish I had this before. Um, Larry asked for permission to marry Stephanie because I would have used it. Because he used it, he says, yeah, I had a, a gentleman who was courting his daughter. And he says, so I told him, you hurt my little girl. I'm going to dig a 20-foot hole. And I'm going to put you in the bottom of that hole. And then I'm going to backfill that with 10 feet of dirt. Then I'm going to put a dead cow on top of that. And then I'm going to bury that up. So when those cadaver dogs go looking for you, they'll smell dead cow. They'll never smell you. I go, that is good. I mean, (laughs) fathers, lock that away for the man coming knocking on your door for your daughter. Or as one guy in this church, I, I will not say his name, he just said, he just looks at the gentleman, whatever you do to her, I'm going to do to you. That's perfect, all right? Because why? I'm judging this gentleman. You better take care of me. We judge all the time. We make judgments all the time. You see, it is important when it comes to judgment, this complicated issue, how we understand the do's and the don'ts. Back to Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge lest you be judged. It's important in Scripture. I know Hal does this with his students, guys. Context, context, context. It is critical to keep in context because I can take the Bible and manipulate it any way I want to if I don't worry about context. And Jesus says this, in, and this is in the middle of a sermon he's preaching, and people love to take out that one line. Now, there's a lot of passages in your notes you can look up in, in, in context of, of Scripture when it comes to judgment. But the word judgment, to judge, is the word krino, which I love that word. It's a cool-looking word, which means to separate, to choose, to select, or to determine. And depending on where it's used, it has so many shades of what its meaning is. That's why context is key. The primarily two versions, two views that this, this word judge is used in is one for discernment. And discernment is be, discerning what between right and wrong. The other is for condemnation, passing a final judgment. This is what Christians are called to do. This is what Christians aren't called to do. This job is reserved for God. And usually when a person hears us talk about the gospel, they always hear this rather than this. And it could be how our attitude is. It could be how we are coming off in the process. They will usually say, you're condemning me. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ did not call Christians to cease to examine or discern, but to renounce the temptation to try to be God. That's not our job. That's God's job. God's job is to bring condemnation. Our job is to use discernment in the judging process. Whenever we sign condemnation to somebody without mercy, pass judgment on them, then we are making a decision only God is qualified to make. Matthew 7, 1 again, do not judge or you will be judged. Now, this passage is located, if people just use that, see, we're never to judge. But if you go down to verse 6, 
Matthew 7, 6 says this, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, he's not talking about giving a set of pearls to some pigs. The premise is pigs won't appreciate pearls. They're just going to trample them. In verse 15 and 16 in the same chapter, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Now, how are you supposed to discern what's a dog, what's a pig, what's a false prophet, unless you're making a judgment based upon what they're saying and doing? Guys, we're always making judgments. And matter of fact, Jesus says, right after said, don't judge unless you be judged. He's saying, hey, be careful. Judge the dog, judge the pig, judge the false prophets on who they are, what they have done, what they're saying. Judge them. Jesus gives us permission to tell right from wrong. Anything that contradicts the truth, guys, is a lie. And we, ha we have the right to say that it's a lie. We have a right opposing sin is not wrong. We need, to, we need to step up in the process of that. That's what we're called to do. Jesus saying, what he's saying there is do not judge, but not anything goes. Great example of that. Uh, and this is where people, he's, he's going political. Guys, this is not politics. This is about what's going on in our country. A perfect example of this is what's happening in Florida. Yeah, Florida passes a parental bill that says, let's not teach transgender stuff to kids in kindergarten, third grade. Which most people go, yeah. I mean, but the media has flipped that to this don't say, say no to gay and all that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, Disney gets involved. And some of you guys, Disney fans, I, I love Disney. I got Disney Plus. I got some decisions to make. All right, because Disney says, this California-based company, we're going to tell you guys in Florida how to, how to do your job. So we are bent on destroying this and making sure that it goes away, whether in the court of law or court of opinion. And so DeSantis says, fine, then we're going to take your special tax status away. I think it's hilarious when I'm just watching this, of going, you're trying to push an agenda on us. Someone is standing up saying no. Guys, when you stand up and say no, I don't know DeSantis' religious views at all, but he's standing up and saying, not in my place. And when you do that, that's when hell comes down on you, okay? I haven't seen him be vicious about it. Maybe he has in the reports I have not seen. He just said, hey, fine, you want to live that way? You want to you play the woke card? We can play cards too. We're taking away your special status, which they've had since the 60s. Hello. But when you stand up for truth, when you say, not in my house or not in this place, expect things to come at you. Whenever you call sin, sin, guys, you're painting a target on yourself. That is what's going to happen. Jesus told us, do not judge. He did not say, just go with anything goes. The Bible tells me that I am to use discernment. The Bible tells me what sin is, that I can call sin, sin. 
But the Bible tells me I'm required to speak that truth in a loving way. Ephesians 4, 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love. How I present that. Because if they don't hear, if, if I have certain words and they don't hear the love behind it, then that's where they go instantly to condemnation in their minds. And here's, here's an important thing. I, I, I don't have time. That's a whole other sermon unto itself. But guys, I don't have the right to hold someone who's not a believer in Christ to the standards I live by. We never hold those who are outside the family of God to our own family values. Paul says this, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? The answer is yes. Now, that's a sermon unto itself. We, we need to use proper judgment in helping each other grow. If I see something involved in a person's life, they're heading them down, down a wrong way and they're a believer in Christ, then I need to step in and say something. But if I see someone who's not a Christian, who does not have the Holy Spirit of God, who does not trust the Bible as the Word of God, how can I expect them to live to that standard when it's hard enough for me to live to that? Okay? So here's that balance. With those in the family of God, yeah, I can hold your feet to the fire. I can say, guys, this is the wrong direction to be going. But if it's not someone outside the family, I can't say you have to do this, 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 because they can't. They're not following Christ. They don't have the spirit of God. They don't believe in the Bible. How can they live that way? They can't. But it doesn't stop me from showing them the truth in love. I love this quote, rare is the person who can weigh the faults of others without putting his thumb on the scales. When we speak up, when we speak the truth, what's our attitude when we're talking? Is it out of love, is it out of mercy, is it extending that, or is that a condemnation and bringing judgment upon them? Now, in your notes, there's a list of, I always talk about gotquestions.com. It's a great website. But they list uh, things of wrong types of judgment. And these are scriptural, superficial judgment is wrong. Hypo hypocritical judgment is wrong. Harsh, unforgiving judgment is wrong. Self-righteous judgment is wrong. Untrue judgment is wrong. And in your notes, all the scripture to go along with that. Because Matthew 7, 1, when it says, do not judge lest you be judged... It's true. Verse 2 says, let's continue it. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, in the old stand, you got one, you point one finger, you got how many pointing back at you? I always heard it was four. I go, my thumb don't bend back that way. No, I got three. Three are pointing back at me. So before you judge someone else, make sure you take a little look at yourself. Make sure because the same measure you're going to use is going to be used on you. That's why a lot of people who come off judgmental and critical are usually critical in other people's of what their failure in their own life is. Matthew 7, 3 goes on to say, 
why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you, all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You can't. Oh, we try. People do try. He says, you hypocrite. Now, these, in your Bible, these words are in red. This is Jesus talking here. You're a hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then, you will see clearly, you see, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay. That doesn't sound like don't judge lest you be judged. Now, do some introspection here. Before you're very critical of this piece of sawdust, which if you don't work with wood, that's microscopic. You, you, you can't really see it. You can feel it in your eye. You're kind of going like this when you get sawdust in your eye, but you really can't see it. So you've got to be really inspecting that person's life to see sawdust in his eye. But how can you even do that when you've got a plank in your own? If sawdust, you're doing this, what do you think you're doing with a plank? First, doesn't say period, nothing left. First, remove the plank out of your own eye. You do business with yourself first. And then, when you've done business with yourself, when you've got the plank out of your own eye, then you can go to your brother. So you can clearly see and remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it doesn't say don't remove the speck. It doesn't say don't call attention to it. It says you need to first do business with yourself before you do business with any other people. Yet the Bible does say don't judge lest you be judged. But Jesus continues to say, but the measure you use, I'm going to use. Others are going to use. And in the process... As you're looking in your brother's eye, you see the sawdust. Hey, you worry about yourself first. And then when the plank's out, you'll have a better call and understanding of the sawdust in their eye. It doesn't say don't call it attention. Because if you see something that's hurtful, painful, possibly in a brother, it's not much love if you don't say something. How you say it is important. Jesus does not call for Christians to cease to examine and discern, be discerning, but to renounce the temptation to try to be God. Jesus saying, do not judge, was, all, and it was not saying anything goes in the society. We need to stand up. We need to proclaim what, what is true, but we have to do that in love. We never hold those who are outside the family of God to our family values. They're not followers of Jesus. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God. They don't believe the Word of God. I struggle to live that way. How can I expect anyone outside of that? I still speak the truth, and I speak the truth in love. Judging is not the ultimate sin. Refusing to receive God's mercy and grace is. When people, what's the unforgivable sin? Not asking for forgiveness. When they refuse to do that, because it's not going to be any easier. 
we will always be classified as judging. When we are classified, make sure you take evaluation. Okay, where's my heart in this? How did I come off? How can I speak this in true love and show them there is a better way? Knowing full well, they're going to take that as condemnation of how they're living. I can't control that part. I can't control how I come off and make sure that I'm speaking that truth. I'm calling sin, sin. I'm making a stand and saying those things, but with a heart that I'm not bringing condemnation. That's God's job. My job is to bring up the truth. Knowing full well, you do that, you're painting a target on your back. People don't like the light to be shined on the darkness because it exposes things. Be prepared for that. John the Baptist stood up and exposed the sin of adultery, and he was killed for it. So understand, there's a price to pay in living out that truth. That's why we'll be doing a series through 2 Timothy coming up, and one of the things there is that Paul says, understand, Timothy, if you desire to live a Christ-like life, if you stand up for the truth, you're going to be persecuted. It's going to happen. Therefore, if I'm not being persecuted... Am I living a Christ-like life? Am I speaking up when I need to speak up the truth? Knowing full well, I'm going to be classified as, you know, your judge is judging me. Guys, I'm just wanting to let you know there is a better way. There is a better way. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we could gather. You gave us breath to breathe, to worship in song, to fellowship, to love on each other. Father, to listen to your word. Um, Father, you are truly good and bless us. Help us take advantage of today. You got us here, got to woke us up, so it must be for a reason and you're not done with us yet. Let us live that out, I pray, to be your truth tellers and to be doing that in love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, God bless you. Remember, Becca Cook, this next week, you will not want to miss.